Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of the first book of Samuel, Shmuel Aleph, with chapter 24. This is one of the most astounding chapters and one of the most incredible chapters in this book. And you'll see why I say that as we study it. In this chapter we see and we learn so much about David and why he is destined to become the king, why he was chosen as the one, and what makes him different than virtually every other leader in world history, pretty much across um, cultures and around the world, uh, people who, you know, violently tried to grab onto power and how David did, was anything but his 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 nobility of character is it shines forth in this chapter and we truly lay out the um, reason for David being chosen as as king in this chapter based on his behavior and how he acts and what he does uh, it's 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 truly wonderful and 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 very inspiring and something we should think about as we Think about in our own lives of what a true leader really is and what a true leader really should be. Vayal David Misham. So what we left was uh, the, Saul was chasing David around a mountain uh, to kill him. Saul is consumed by this jealousy of David and the idea, the baseless idea that David is trying to take away and usurp his kingdom and wanting to put him to death, chasing David as if he's a fugitive. David is, is, is leading his men um, uh, running away from, from Saul. Uh, Saul then gets called away at the last minute to fight in a battle against the Philistines, thus uh, temporarily saving David for the moment. So David leaves the area, and where does he go? Vayal David Misham, this is verse 1. David left there um, at that uh, the mountain where they were uh, running around. Vayeshev bimitzados en Gedi. And he went to settle in the uh, the Mitzados, again, these rocky formations that are in the area of Ein Gedi. Ein Gedi is, of course, a uh, famous uh, tourist destination nowadays. It's a beautiful uh, area where the springs arise from the uh, Judean desert along uh, near the shores of the Dead Sea. Uh, the beautiful springs, people uh, swim there. It's famous for its uh, Ya'elim, its ibexes, which are these uh, mountain goats. And we are incredibly agile and able to run almost up what appears to us to be a uh, steep cliffs, uh, incredibly agile rock climbers. And I'm not just saying this uh, to tell you about how beautiful it is at Engedi because this is important to understand the context of this uh, chapter here. So David went to hide out there, a beautiful place. They had water. Presumably they, they have uh, what they need to eat. They can find shelter in the caves. It's a perfect hideout, a perfect place to hide in the desert. When Saul came back from his campaign that he had went on after chasing after the Philistines, so now he gets back to his um, his uh, his business, which is to chase after David. And they told him, saying, The word came out that David is hiding in the uh, uh, wilderness in Ein Gedi. So, Saul takes 3,000 uh, top-notch troops, Ishbachur, chosen troops from the people of Israel. And he went to search him out 
al penei to search him out along the rocks of the ibexes. These are the cliffs which are climbed up and down by the ibexes, um, and in the cliffs there are caves. David's men apparently sought refuge in these caves that were along these cliffs, so uh, it would be a difficult place to catch them. By Avoel Gidros Hatzon, Al Haderach, and um, when they were on their way to search out Engedi, they came to the areas where they um, uh, were keeping sheep uh, that was on the road, on the path towards Engedi. Visham Aran, there was a cave. Anyone that has been to this area would know there's numerous caves along this uh, side of the Dead Sea. Um, these caves, uh, uh, you know, up and down, there's numerous cave formations uh, making perfect hiding places and also a perfect place if you want need to take care of something private, which Joel was about to do. He went into one of these caves to, um, to uh, defecate. Lahasech uh, raglav uh, literally means to open or to loosen his legs. Uh, which is a euphemism for defecation. So the king needed to take care of uh, his important um, human functions. And so he went into the uh, cave to take care of it. And it just so happened that David and his men were in the depths of the cave. That's where they were sitting. So you have David and his, a band of his men were in the same cave where Saul was walking in to defecate. So this is, um, one would look at this as the most incredible opportunity. Saul is completely vulnerable, completely alone. David and his men are there. How many leaders do you know of that if they were vying for power would not take advantage of this opportunity and even say, oh, look, God put him in your hands right now. You can just stab him in the heart and be done with it. And, and, uh, and and I mean he after all I mean it would have been justified had he done it he was looking out to kill David he was actually on a mission to come and and execute David one would have, it could even very easily justify it and we wouldn't have thought badly of David had he done so. David love and David's men of course and you try have to try to imagine them huddled in the back of this cave whispering so Saul doesn't hear. Um, they said to him, Hine hayom, here's the day Asher Amar that God has told you about. <coughs> that I will deliver your enemy into your hands. You now have the ability to do to him whatever you please. You can take care of him right now. That's it. Um, uh, this is it. This is like a sign from heaven if there ever was one. Vayakam David and what did David do? He got up, and rather than attack Saul, and he cut off the corner of Saul's cloak in 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 um, in balot means in in secret or actually in in stealth, like like he um he uh, snuck over and and cut off the corner of his cloak. Now I, I'm assuming that that this means that he had taken off his cloak in order to defecate and it must have been lying near his side and David snuck up it's very obviously very dark and they're managing to be extremely silent so and that's how he was able to do this after he cut off the cloak of Saul and we'll see why later why he did this 
So David's heart was bothering him. Was was uh, he was he felt bad. He felt he felt really guilty about this. And the, the fact that he um, he had done this and cut off uh, the cloak of Saul's, you know, the corner of Saul's cloak. In other words, that he I'm, not only did he not harm Saul himself, he felt bad that he even just cut off a little bit of his garment. This garment, of course, re- is was presumably a royal robe. It's it's a representative of Saul having been the king, and David's respect for the, Saul's position is something that shines forth in this chapter. His understanding that it's not a personal issue, but the position, the king, the one who God chose to be the king over Israel, is a position that requires respect. Vayomer la'anashav. And he said to his men, his men that who had been encouraging him to kill him, God forbid me, uh, uh, forbid it to, uh, to me. In other words, um, uh, woe would be to me if I would do this that you are suggesting. To my master, to the one who was anointed by God, meaning Saul, the one who was anointed by God to be the king. That I should be the one who who sends my hand against him, in other words, hurts him, or kills him. He was anointed by God. And the way that I am going to become king, David is saying, is not by murder, is not by assassination. The way, if, if God wants me to be king, this is not how it's going to happen. The way it should happen is, and I've said this before, clearly Saul needs to nobly and, and um, graciously hand over the power so that without laying seeds of future um, uh, uh, fighting and without laying the seeds of animosity, without um, setting up a situation of one king killing the other, something which is going to, which, which something which leads to the, the death and destruction of almost every known kingdom or empire in human history, David wants to do it in a different way. David wants what we would call today a peaceful transition of power. It is not going to be through killing that I'm going to take power. David literally, shasa means he cut down his men with words. In other words, he very strongly rebuked them. This is not how it works. He did not allow them to take revenge. Apparently, they themselves wanted to get up and go attack Saul, but he did not allow them to do so. And Saul then, not knowing that he was, his life was about to end, uh, or could have just ended, not knowing that David was standing right there with his men, he gets up from, when he finishes taking care of what he needed to, he gets up from the cave, and he went to continue on the way, to go continue searching the caves to find David and his men. So, after Saul left, when Saul was far enough away that he can't harm David, but close enough that David could still see him and, and, and could still talk to him, David gets up, David gets up, and he leaves the cave, and he calls towards Saul, saying as follows, Adoni HaMelech, my master the king, in a very respectful way, immediately Saul hears the voice and turns around, and David bows down to the ground and bows towards Saul in a gesture of deference, in a gesture of respect to the king. 
David and David says to Saul, and listen to this speech, it's extremely um, uh, enlightening. Why is it that you're listening to someone that keeps on telling you? David is assuming that there must be people that are telling Saul that David is rebelling. David is rebelling and he wants to be king. David is trying to harm you. That, and it's, this is, must be why Saul is after him. Stop listening to this person. And there are, definitely were such people. We came across Doeg Adomi before, um, who certainly was stoking that, that uh, um, Saul's suspicions. But, um, but more, it, we, as we've seen this develop, this was coming from Saul himself. And we see this... And, and, the, and remember, we had this back and forth over the last few chapters where there was a side of Saul that understood what was happening, a side of Saul that was still humble, a side of Saul that was still um, loving of David and understanding that the, of the good that David had done, um, a side of Saul that made that promise to Jonathan in the field that he would never harm, harm David. And then there was this jealous, angry side, which unfortunately is what has been the dominant one. David's speech now to Saul is going to um, bring out from Saul that 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 goodness, the goodness that has been that has been uh, uh, covered and 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 um, encapsulated and and uh, uh, dominated by the bad side. But there, that goodness is still in there, and David is going to address that part of Saul now. He, why are you listening to this person who keeps saying David that David is trying to harm you? If you've ever needed proof, now you see with your own eyes. God placed it, made it that you that you would be in a cave in my hand. And 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 people asked me, they told me, kill you. But rather, I had um, mercy upon you. But Omar and I told them and I answered the people that were encouraging me to kill you, Lo badoni. I will not send my hand against my master, because he is the anointed of God. I will not ki- kill the king of Israel. I will not set Israel on the path of every other nationality where one king takes over by killing the, the previous one. That is not how it's going to work in this a nation. That is not how God's nation works. That is not how tr- power is transferred. <laughs> when one looks at the history of the kingdom of Israel, which several generations later is going to split off from the kingdom of Judah, and in many ways, this split between Saul and David is foreshadowing that later split. We, one of it, the hallmark of the transfer of, of power from one king to the next in the northern kingdom is one king rises, kills the king before him and takes over the, and becomes king. And then the next one, maybe a generation or two, that dynasty lasts, and then the next one comes and kills them, and the next one comes and kills them. And then that, that it descended into complete and total chaos. Whereas among Judah, not that there wasn't any violence in the kings of Judah, there was uh, some, but we'll see when we study the next book of kings. But and as a general rule, transfer of power was peaceful. And this is key. I know I'm using very modern terms to describe this, but... This is the ancient version of what we see and hope for today. Um, I will not use violence to take it over. I am not here to harm you. Because um, I have respect for the office of the king. 
I have respect for the office of the king because the king is appointed by God to be the king over the people of Israel. The Avi and my father, and he calls him in a as as a language of my father, possibly because remember Saul is his father-in-law. Re'e, but also Avi is just a, a a respectful manner of speaking to the king. See, look, Gamre, definitely, really look at Kenaf Me'ilcha Biyadi. In case you don't believe me that I had the opportunity to kill you, I have the corner of your cloak is in my hand. When I cut off the corner of your cloak, but I did not kill you. In other words, I had the opportunity, I had a knife, and you had no idea I was there, I could easily have taken your life. Now you should definitely know for sure that I have no intention of doing bad, or to, to hurt you, and I have never been rebellious against you. But nonetheless, despite the fact that I have never tried to hurt you ever and I've only been a loyal servant of yours, you still want to take my life. You want to kill me. May God be the one who brings justice between you and I. May God be the one who decides what kind of revenge to take against you. It won't be my hand that comes against you. Kasher Yomar Mishal HaKadmoni, like they say in the old proverb that goes back a long way. Um, uh, evil people should be, are, it, it is from evil people from whom evil deeds come. In other words, I am not an evil person. I am not going to be the one that commits murder. If, if, this, if something is to happen, it will be by the hands of God. God will be the one that decides this justice. I am not going to be the one that commits murder. My hand will not come to hurt you. And also, who are you chasing even? Right, The king of Israel has come out to chase with his 3,000 men. Who are you chasing? Who are you running after? A dead dog. You're chasing after a nobody. Who am I? I'm just a, a refugee vagabond <laughs> running around the desert hiding in caves. For this, the king of Israel has to come out and send the mission. I'm just like a fly, a little flea. That's all I am. It's a, it's a mosquito. And you're coming after me with all of these troops. This, you're wasting your time and your energy. You have so much more important things to do. The lesson you should have learned in, in what we read about in the last chapter, when you're chasing me around and around the mountain, you had the Philistines to fight. You have a nation to run. You have things to do. You have more important stuff to worry about than just me. May God be the judge. May He be the one that judges between you and I. May He see what's happening and may He be the one who fights my fight. And He will take my justice. He will give me justice from you over what you've done to me and what you are doing to me. So here... You have this incredible speech. In other words, I am not going to take justice into my hand. I am going to respect the office of the king. And in the back, the the background of this, of course, what we think in our minds is of, is is that David obviously knows that he's destined to be king by this point, and he knows that Saul knows that he's destined to be king by this point. But David does not want that transfer of power to happen through an act of murder, an act of violence on his part. He wants that to happen through 
the kind of justice that God will put forth in a peaceful, appropriate manner. And it was when David finished speaking with Daberet Varim Ha'elel Shaul speaking these words to Saul. And Saul says to him, Is this your voice, my son David? It, one can can uh, can look at this sarcastically and say, "Yeah, of course, Saul is right now act is going to speak really nicely because he's vulnerable. He's alone. David has his men, whatever." But but I think that it's written in uh, uh, the the way these verses are written and the words that Saul says here don't give that impression. They give the impression that David struck the right chord in Saul's heart and brought out from him that part of him, that part of his soul that led him to bring David into his court, that part of him that led him to elevate David, to make him his son Allah, those few, and to make those promises that he made that he obviously isn't keeping. And he appealed to, the, to, the, to his soft side, so to speak. Is this your voice, my son David? In other words, am I hearing you, David? And of course, when one's emotions are, are allowed to come to the surface, when one stops suppressing them with anger and, and sees the truth inside his soul, crying, cry, uh, Saul elevated his voice and, and wept in tears. Tears are the inevitable result of when we allow ourselves to feel what's deep inside our heart. When we allow ourselves to feel the truth, David, and he says to David, you are so much more righteous than me. This is unfortunate because Saul at this point could have said, I will be a tzaddik too. Rather than comparing himself to David and say that you are more righteous than me, Saul could have made the choice to stop his anger and just turn around and change course. Because you treated me nicely, and I treated you in a bad way. Now, this is of course true, but just because the past that was that way, the future did not have to be that way. This is another missed opportunity. And you have told me today, that which you have done me a favor, where God had placed me, Straight into your hands, unless you didn't kill me. When a person were, finds his enemy, and rather than hurt him, he sends him off on a good, on a, on a safe path. May God pay you clearly, or whether it's, this is a blessing or it sounds to me that way, it could be interpreted simply as a statement. And God will repay you with good in, in, in repayment for what you've done today, what you have done for me. Now now I understand that you will be the king. What is it about this that Saul suddenly sees? Because when Saul sees within his heart, he recognizes and realizes that his power ultimately comes from God. He knew this all along. His power came because of the humility that he displayed when when he met Samuel way back when, at the beginning of this book, um, the humility that he displayed, his, his ability to be a leader, God chose him. It didn't come because he went up and grabbed power like most kings do. It didn't come because he was murderous. Remember in the beginning, those that were his enemies, Saul said, no, leave them alone, right? It was that humility that brought him to be king in the first place which is why Samuel anointed him as king. 
But then he took a wrong turn. But right now, that inner part, that good part of Saul is being brought out. Saul knows where it is. It's in there. It's in his heart. The Saul. In your case, the Israel, the, the kingdom of Israel will remain, will be established, as opposed to mine, which was temporary, because my loyalty to God only lasted a certain amount of time. Once it got to me, once the arrogance got to me, once the selfishness got to me, I no longer deserve to be king. But you... Even when you had the opportunity to, to justifiably kill me, and now you didn't do it. So in your case, I know for sure that the kingdom will last. And now, Swear to me by God. That you will not hurt my children that follow after me. In other words, me, I know at some point, I, you know, you have a justification maybe, to hurt me, and I know that my kingdom will not last, but at least my children, my family, my legacy, don't hurt them. Do not destroy my name from my father's house. So it's this Saul here. This is the Saul that made that promise to Jonathan. This is the Saul that was anointed king. It, of course, unfortunately took this, the, this um, tremendous vulnerability, this uh, near-death experience, so to speak, that finally brought out that truth from his heart. And unfortunately, it's going to be temporary. And he's going to slip right back into arrogance and selfishness. But for this moment, the true Saul, his real heart, is being revealed again. And David then did swear to Saul. What swear? The, 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 the pact that he agrees not to hurt Saul's family in the future. So Saul went back to his, his home. To presume to his palace, Vidavid Vanashov, not necessarily, Saul doesn't seem like the kind of king that actually had a palace, and I know I've used that term several times, so a palace is a misnomer, but the house where he, he had his court, where his kingdom was based, Vidavid Vanashov, Alu Suda, and David and his men went back up into the, into the rocks. This then is um, the conclusion of chapter 24. We will. Um, Chapter 25 uh, will continue next time with the uh, death of Samuel um, and the end of that chapter in the history of the people of Israel. Thank you so much for studying this together with me, chapter 24. Looking forward to studying chapter 25 and, of course, the rest of this book of Samuel together.